I received an email this week from a listener who had a question about treatment for histamine intolerance. And in the email, she mentioned having genetic testing and what nutrients she could take to help with her high histamine. Today on Ask Dr. Gill, I want to talk about both of these issues because I think that there's misunderstanding about the relationship between high histamine and what shows up in the genetic tests, as well as what nutrients can be useful for high histamine. So stay tuned. Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. Today we are going to be talking about uh, histamine levels again and also genetic testing and why I don't believe genetic testing is helpful for the, you know, in this case. And, um, And also what nutrients can be helpful for histamine Because I think that there's a lot of, I don't want to say misinformation, because I think that there's, you know, a lot of the information is good. It's just, I think our understanding is changing. And sometimes the the researchers and the clinicians, you know, haven't, haven't met up with one another yet. So... So that's kind of where I want to go with. So, so I got this email uh, uh, last week. And she had, the person had mentioned it listen to the histamine podcast, which if you haven't listened to, I I would definitely listen to that uh, after either before or after listening to this, because I talk a lot about methylation issues and how when histamine is high, uh, or rather the other way around, if methyl is low, histamine is high, and if methyl is high, histamine is low. And on the website, there's a there's an article at askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. There's an article I put up about methylation, and there's a few graphs about it. One of them is about what histamine looks like. High, And this article, by the way, is about high histamine. I haven't put the low histamine article yet up yet at the time of this, but it will be up in the next week or two. So, if, you know, if if there's a few other podcasts on here that you, that come after this one, the article's probably up there. So let, we'll put it that way. So the the thing about histamine that's interesting is it affects so many parts of the body, and mental health is a big part of this. So a lot of the information that I'm going to sh- share with you today, as well as on the podcast, is from the work of uh, William Walsh. And Dr. Walsh is one of my mentors, and he's looked at, you know, he says 30,000 cases over the last 40 years. I'm guessing it's more than that. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, maybe he stopped putting some cases in the database, but but I've talked to him about a number of cases, so, and I know a lot of my colleagues have as well, so I'm sure it's gone up. And, And so with histamine being high, he calls that undermethylated. And there's a lot of confusion about this um, because, you know, there's a thought process that undermethylation is always caused by a genetic defect. And in particular, 
there's a genetic test and it's from a company called 23andMe and there's, you know, this is not a knock on the test. Um, I used to do genetic testing and, and it can be incredibly helpful for certain conditions. My, my critique of genetic testing in this particular instance is I think that there's assumptions being made based on one, uh, it's called SNP or single nucleotide protein uh, uh, mutation that will may or may not cause problems in an individual, at least not the way we expect. And we don't know why that is. Like, it, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, necessarily make sense based on what we know of genetics and based on what we know on the, on the methylation cycle. But there are inconsistencies between the tests done for genetics and the tests done for histamine. So um, I know that probably sounds obtuse, but so let me explain. So in the methylation cycle, and if you, again, listen to the histamine um, uh, lecture as well, uh, imagine two circles going around, and, and this is one of the images on my website, and they're going around and they meet in the middle. And on one side, on the left side, you have methyl being taken out of the system, and on the right side, you have methyl being put into the system. And these these um, cycles are, are different biochemical reactions. And so you have enzymes that will take one substance and convert it into another substance. Well, one of these enzymes is called uh, MTHFR. MTHFR is methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, much easier to say MTHFR. And it basically takes folate and, and reduces it. And a methyl is produced in that. Um, however, it's actually once the methyl comes off, the folate goes in and it actually seems to be reducing reducing the amount of uh, methyl inside the nucleus. So we've had patients who've come in with this 23andMe test and they're showing uh, a genetic defect, a, a point mutation, in the MTHFR gene, and they don't necessarily show up as uh, low histamine. And generally, you would expect if there's a defect in there, you would show up low histamine. And some people are, and some people aren't. And, you know, this is one of those things that you look at and you think, well, why is that? Well, there could be a number of issues, and Dr. Walsh has a few theories. One is, is that the MTHFR gene is humongous. It's a very, very large gene. And it's possible that we're seeing a defect that may or may not have an effect on the full size of the protein. And, you know, what, what the 23andMe is looking at is, is they kind of look at the particular, you know, what we think is the typical DNA. And then based on that, they say, okay, this is a mutation. And maybe it is and maybe it isn't. I mean, and maybe that mutation has an effect in the body and maybe it doesn't. 
So generally what we do know is that if there is a mutation and it's agreed upon, this is a mutation. Uh, the larger the protein, the less likely the mutation is going to have an effect on that particular gene. So, and MTHFR happens to be a very, very large protein. The other th aspect that he talked about is, is that, you know, there's, you have, a, you have this um, methylation cycle happening a million times a second in each cell. And there's a whole slew of other reactions that are going on. So it's possible that even though you have a defect in one gene, there may be a compensation mechanism somewhere else that's basically allowing the cell to continue processing the way it, it, it should be. And so, so that's, that's the reason that, you know, when we look at the DNA piece of this, uh, you don't necessarily see a congruence between the way that the DNA is, the genotype, we would say in genetics, versus the way that the body is expressing that, which is called phenotype. So I've had a number of patients who've come in with a 23andMe test. They've said, yeah, I have an MTHFR defect. I must be overmethylated, low histamine, based on what we know of the cycle. And it turns out that, you know, it's the other way around. And in fact, uh, they've been taking the wrong set of nutrients to treat that condition. And, you know, it's, it's something that I do use. I will, am more likely to look at um, homocysteine levels, which, is, which can be affected and go up as a result of this MTHFR defect. But in general, there, there's not necessarily a correlation there. And it is curious um, why that is. But I find that looking at the phenotype is, is much, much more accurate for treatment and guiding treatment as well as for um, helping people get better. So that's kind of the way I do it. Unfortunately, the, as I mentioned in the histamine podcast, the histamine test is harder to do. There's so many, you know, we, we can take it. It's not that it's harder to do. We can do it. We can run the, the whole blood histamine determination test. Uh, what happens, though, is, is that we find that there's, there's so many factors that can affect histamine. Uh, so it's not, it's not necessarily giving you an accurate picture of, of what the, um, you know, the status of one's methylation state is. And hopefully we'll have a test for that here in the near future. So in the second part of the show, I want to talk about the treatment of this and the other piece that the, this email brought up, because I think it's an important aspect. And so stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to Ask Dr. Gill. I'm Dr. Gill Winkleman. So we've been talking a little bit about MTHFR defects and histamine, high histamine, and how to treat it. Uh, the long and the short. So in this email, it said, other than vitamin methyl B12 and methylfolate, what can I use? So the idea with high histamine is that your methyl is low. And you want to basically drive an increase in the right side of this diagram so that methylation increases in the body. And the, the problem is, is there's an assumption that anything with methyl will help. And that isn't necessarily true. So the first 
thing I usually do, depending on the age of the patient, if they're younger than 30, I usually don't worry too much about homocysteine yet. But if they're over 30, you if they're high histamine, you want to look at their homocysteine state because homocysteine can build up as a result of a methylation defect. And when that happens, it, it increases the risk of other conditions, including heart disease. So before 30, less of a problem. After 30, it can become a problem. So that's one caveat to this. So um, generally, uh, vitamin B12, while it's really important, is not a very strong methylator. It does help, but it's, it doesn't really do a lot. And unfortunately, with, with uh, histodelia, with, with high histamine, low methyl, it can take six to 12 months to really start seeing changes, in, at least in mental health. Uh, you know, using methylation. I prefer using L-methionine or SAMe as my methylation agents. They're much more powerful than B12, and they're further along in the cycle as well. So if there, you know, there may be defects on the, this right side of the, the diagram that we don't know about yet, and that could be part of it with B12. We do know that B12... Uh, can be blocked by uh, mercury toxicity and lead toxicity. So that could be part of it as well. Uh, potentially people with heavy metals in their system, and most of us have some level of heavy metals in our system, uh, could be you know, having an issue as a result of that. So uh, in general, you know, I recommend uh, these methylation agents, L-methionine. I, I prefer L-methionine for one thing, it's less expensive. You need a higher dose than the SAMe. Uh, and the other is is that it seems to be tolerated better for, with, with my patients. I've had other providers say that they only use SAMe, they never use L-methionine. So there you have it, you know, for what it's worth. Folate is an interesting one, and this is a very controversial in the literature, and you may, if you if you're studying nutrient therapy, uh, and and have run across some of the different people out there, who who talk about uh, uh, methylation, you know, Ben Lynch, Amy Yasko, it's just something we disagree about. Um, and Dr. Walsh uh, has had discussions with them, and you know they're they're in disagreement about this. Folate is not a net methylating agent, even methylfolate. Methylfolate appears to remove methyl from the nucleus. So the theory is that when you give uh, a methylfolate, you do get a methyl contribution, but the methyl then, or the folate rather, goes into the nucleus and will take out a bunch of methylate, you know, methyl inside the nucleus. And it, it's great if you're overmethylated. Like, that's what you want. And, and what we see with the patients who are, are low histamine, overmethylated, they improve greatly with folate, methyl or otherwise. So those people, we, you know, we've seen drastic changes with in that situation. In fact, I have a, a number of patients who, who are what we'd call low, undermethylate or overmethylated or low folate schizophrenics who actually get better as a result of giving folic acid. And, um, but if you're 
the opposite. If you're undermethylated high histamine, the folate can actually make things worse. Now, there, the exception to this, by the way, is if you're high homocysteine, you want to give folate for a couple months, bring the homocysteine down, then stop the folate and start the, you know, the SAMI or the L-methionine and start bringing the histamine, I'm sorry, start bringing the histamine down and the methyl up. And like I said, it, it can take six to 12 months before you start seeing changes in in the individual in terms of mental health. A number of the patients that I've worked with um, noticed their seasonal allergies went away uh, within, a, within a month, uh, but their anxiety didn't go away for you know, several months. So that's sort of the, the long and the short of this particular question and sort of what nutrients you want to give. You know, you want to give stuff that's going to be methylating, but folate is a net methyl stealer. It is not a methyl donor. And L-methionine and SAMe are much stronger methylating agents than, say, a vitamin B12. And that's not to say that vitamin B12, methyl B12, isn't helpful. Uh, it, it, it can be. Uh, but it, it's one of those things that uh, by itself generally isn't going to have as much of an impact. And, and you know, this is something that, that Dr. Walsh and, um, has learned over the years, and, and I've had the fortune of learning that from, from him as well. So occasionally, and I'm going to talk about this in the next coming podcast. I'm actually going to have a guest on to talk about this. But you get someone who just isn't a very good nutrient absorber. And so we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks because I think it's an important aspect of sort of how do you get a good sort of boost to your system to be able to, you know, start feeling better and then wanting to take care of yourself more. So that's all I have for you guys this week. Um, I'm planning on going back to the heavy metal stuff next week and uh, hopefully going to be talking about the hair test in more detail uh, because I think that's one of those that can be helpful and uh, it doesn't relate to methylation or histamine that we know of, at least not yet. So, But if you do have questions, feel free to send an email, uh, info, I-N-F-O, at askdrgill.com, A-S-K-D-R-G-I-L.com. Also, check out our website. We do have a mailing list, and I am putting articles together, and I can let you know when uh, I publish something on the website because I do a lot of writing. And... Uh, I hope you guys have a good week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Bye.